Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, July 19th. That means it is time for another episode of the Power Hour. We'll be joined by the team from Pittsburgh Power. I believe we've got Bruce and Pete and Leroy today. We'll hear from them in just a minute. Then we will get to your calls and questions. And it looks like the calls are already coming in. So line them up if you have a maintenance-related question. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, emissions, electronics, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. Those lines are open right now. Start dialing 855-950-3835. Later on today, I believe at uh, 9.30 Pacific time, That'd be 12.30 on the East Coast. We'll be doing an episode of the Pit Politics in Trucking. I believe Stanford is joining me today. I don't think John can make it. Uh, I've got some odds and ends. We'll cover those then. Go ahead and line up the calls, and we'll get to them in just a couple minutes. Let's hear from the team from Pittsburgh Power. Who do we have on the line with us this morning? All three of us. Oh, all right. All right. You guys all uh, in the same room there? We are. He's still in your office? I am. All right. All right. (laughs) What's that? We're in a remote location. We can't tell you. There you go. It's top secret. All right. So who wants to go first today then? I'll go first. All right. My good friend, Dwayne Erke, who was the first person to put the max mileage catalyst in a Harley-Davidson and a Model A. Model A or Model T told me the results. Um, He's with a new cement mixer company. So he's hired as a driver, but he goes into the shop because he's a great mechanic. And they have around their max, 2018 max. And they're having horrendous emission problems. And the one just came back from Mac. It was $18,000 to replace all. Oh. 18000 It didn't even run 100 miles and the engine shutdown light came on. Oh. So Dwayne told him about the max mileage catalyst. Needless to say, the older mechanic in charge doesn't believe in stuff like that. The younger mechanic did because Dwayne gave him five ounces to put in his Duramax diesel pickup, and he was shocked at the difference. So they talked the lead guy into letting them put Catalyst in this Mac with $18,000 repair bill. Drove it about 10 miles, and the lights all went out, and the truck's running to this day. Really? But the old mechanics, yeah, the old mechanics oh. still not a believer. They're working on it. Oh boy! So we deal with a lot of stonehead people in this in this industry, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I was never like that. I always listened to other people, and I would try things, listen and try. And if it worked, great. If it didn't work, well, at least you tried. You know. And then it, it, I want to talk. 
Real quick, you know, what matters are results. So you're right. Keep an open mind. Things change. We certainly don't know everything. Keep an open mind. Try things. See what the results you get. I mean, that's what really matters. Results. That's exactly right. Like gearing a truck to run in direct gear. It's results. Yep. And um, turnaround transport, known by Jeff Nelson, who's been to the CMCs. That's where I met. He and his uh, son or brother, I forget which, but uh, they helped us. When, remember, when I had the bright idea we were going to take trucks apart in that parking lot in Kansas City, and it was 95 degrees, and <laughs> not realizing that made the gas about 145 degrees. This was the guy, he and his uh, son and or brother, I forget which was with them. They were the ones that helped put everybody's truck back together. So there are a catalyst dealer, a remote tune dealer, and they also carry our parts, damper, balancers, manifolds, turbos, down in Moberly, Missouri. Well, Jeff is a real fan of the 379 feet, so he buys them. And uh, he bought one a million, 150,000 miles ago. It already had a million on it. So at 2,150,000 miles, they did a body on the frame restoration, but they had really gutted this truck. You know, reman engine, disc brakes, stretched it, um, new paint, new wooden floor, all new hoses, new wiring, stainless steps, lights, you name it, they replaced it. 112,000 in parts. Wow. <laughs> As Not you were talking about that, in my mind, I was trying to total things up and I was thinking this could get really expensive. That's right. That's right. Reman Detroit engine, D-Deck 4, uh, Reman 13-speed. Uh, but that's what it takes. That's in parts. I said, do you have 500 hours in labor? They said, probably. <laughs> right. So, now do the math on that. Yeah. So they have to be 200. Yeah. So if you want to add labor to that, take $100 times 200 hours, and you see what it takes to go through something and that's not a body off the frame right we do have wow. some people that'll just truck and take every screw and rivet out and start out with all panels and put it all back together so that's the love people have of these 379s and it's a 97 so uh it doesn't have eld and he also sent me he has one of our shorty mufflers on a 379 with a 6nz cat and he recorded it as it was pulling out with a loaded tanker so we could hear it. And we yesterday posted that on our website just so people can hear how, how much the shorty muffler actually works. It's 31 inch long straight through muffler. Excellent. All right. Anything else? I have. All right. You want to talk pictures. Uh, yeah, I mean, we might as well mention them. That's kind of crazy. That's uh, that's called AIS. It identifies every ship, boat, and usually things that are 40 feet long and longer that are in the ocean right now. And the red ones are tankers. So I don't know if you can post that or not. Yeah, I may put that's these up. That's how many up. tankers. When you think that Casio Cortez thinks that we're going to eliminate diesel fuel, Hey, 
Bruce, if you want to read a really good book about that topic, it makes a ton of sense. Um, it's called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And moral case for fossil fuels. The moral case for fossil fuels. And, and he, in the book, he talks about why oil is not going away. If electric will start to move in, and I've said this, it, you know, every year from now on, there will be more electric cars on the road than there were the year before. But we are not getting away from oil, natural gas, propane, none of that stuff. It's always going to be here. We have to have it. We couldn't possibly convert to all electric vehicles right now if we wanted to. Uh, it doesn't even make sense. But even if we did, even if every vehicle on the road was electric, that doesn't mean oil goes away. We use oil for a lot of other stuff. And we are going to be using it in vehicles for a long time to come. There was an electrical engineer posted something on Facebook, and he said that if you take in inner city where you have the row houses, if you have three people on the same block charging their car at the same time, the rest of the homes will not have AC. Yeah, the, our grid, for, our grid is weak right now. I mean, we, we are being warned about, you know, rolling blackouts and, you know, the grid not holding up. And that's without adding a bunch of electric vehicles right now. So it, it's coming. It's going to happen. It's going to take quite a bit of time. And even when all the electric vehicles are here, we're still going to have oil. So this this. You know, stupid fight right now with the Democrats just absolutely refusing to produce more oil in this country is just ignorant. I, I can't believe. Hopefully things change in November with another election because we should be pumping oil like crazy now. Right now they say there's enough between Odessa and Midland, Texas to last the U.S. for the next 200 years. Yeah, we're there. You know, the, the technology that allows us to get that out. And then from what I understand, there is an awful lot of oil in Colorado that we don't. It's just not economical to get that out yet. But at some point there will be the oil we we get out with fracking. Now, at some point, it wasn't economical to get that out till we figured out how. And now that we can, we were energy independent. And in one day, um, Biden signed all those executive orders on his first day. And this is what we get, you know, $5 fuel and it's going to get worse. I just paid six, six dollars for diesel fuel. I got 16 gallons for a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's not. And anyway, my son, my son-in-law in Texas is in the oil business and he just bought the new electric Porsche. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's, uh, yeah, it, there's, no, I don't really daughter, see, yeah, I, I don't see a conflict there. You know, I see all these people who are against electric post memes like, oh my God, look, they had to tow the electric car in with the, you know, a diesel truck or whatever. Well, of course you did. You know, we don't have all electric vehicles. We don't want all electric vehicles right now. But adding some electrical vehicles is kind of nice. And if you want one, go buy one. But it's not going to change the oil industry much anytime soon. Right. The electric Porsche has a 200-mile range. So um, it's 
a real nice around town car for them. And my daughter loves it, and I'm anxious to go down to Texas and drive it. Yeah, yeah, they're it's a beautiful. Uh, equipment. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised you don't want to go drive the Audi. Well, I'll, I'll get to drive one. <laughs> that drive one is it. impressive. Range, 500 miles before I would even consider it. Uh, they're getting close. Uh, Tesla's up there on their bigger, bigger cars, 400 and some. Tesla that high now? Yeah, uh, yeah, on their their big S model. Um, I think they're over mm-hmm. four hundred miles on that one. And there was another. Oh shoot! What was the? There was another manufacturer that was about to come out with a really nice competitor to the big Tesla S model about a year ago. I haven't heard much from them. I think they may have been over five hundred miles on theirs. They were claiming. Yeah, I think that's the lucid. That's the one I was like thinking of. Yeah, what, I haven't heard much about that one in a while. Uh, I heard it some a couple months ago. I don't okay. know. I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, that one. I won't buy one, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they are a little pricey. There's no doubt, but uh, that was an impressive looking car. Yeah, Kevin, can you put that up on Let's Truck? Those two pictures I sent you: the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean showing all the freighters that are in there now and everything's running on diesel and or bulk oil. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we get rolling here and you guys are taking questions, I'll get those posted up on truckingtribe.com. Okay. All right, Leroy, all since right. you jumped in there, you're next. What's up? Uh, we got a few things going on this week. We've mostly been digging into our, again, our long-term electrical project and, the further we go, the more we find, and now we're working on stuff that's sort of outside of the engine swap. Well, wait a second. No, this is the 359 Pete that we pulled out the NTC, put the N14 in. Yeah, it's still here. It's still going. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to keep putting that up. Yeah. <laughs> it won't go away. And now there's brake issues, brake light issues. Yeah, so like, the guy, can, yeah, you wanted an engine swap, but like the brake lights don't work and you're like, well, you know, you kind of have to have that. Right. And <laughs> like the service brake switch, it doesn't work, but then the cruise won't work. So now we have to dig into that. So now we're in parts of the truck that we didn't originally anticipate. And there is just, there's just one like sort of cute wire that just is like vampire tapped onto like another one that just, I don't know where it goes, but it looks important because it's pretty big. <laughs> it's like 10 gauge wire and it's all green. Right. Like, well, why is this? Where does this go? Oh, and yeah, so. Oh, fun, well, fun. Well, we have not working on things, and, and how old is this truck? With 35, somewhere oh, almost 40 years. And was, just think of how many hands have on it. Is this the truck that's over in the corner? Oh, yeah. You remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah I, re- I remember it well. I was parked right next to it for about a month, it felt like. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting truck. What um, just what What's that going to cost by the time that thing's done? I don't, I don't think we actually have that much into really? it. Really? Yeah. Because a lot of people uh, here waiting. Oh, I don't I mean, know about that. Relative to <laughs> what you <laughs> think. It might, might be more than what the truck costs new. When it was new in what eighty five or eighty, what did it cost? Forty eight dollars. It was in forty eight thousand. No, no. You know, trucks were not that cheap back then. 
uh, you know, I'm thinking back to, I actually bought a new truck my second year in business. I bought a little Ford Louisville city truck with a six speed. I can't even remember what engine it had in it. Little Cummins, I think. But I paid so, and that would have been, I think I bought that in 1988. I paid like 72000 for that. And that was just a little si- oh, wow. single axle city tractor. Um, you were still paying, you know, I'm trying to think of my first new over the road truck that I bought. Would it have been that Ford? I think it may have been that, that Ford that I bought in 1995 and I paid mid 90s for that. So, yeah, trucks weren't that cheap. Not in the eighties or nineties. We were still paying ninety to a hundred thousand. A lot of money back then. Yeah, it was a, a lot, lot of, money. of money. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, we've been cooking away on that, and then we've had a bunch of trucks recently. This has been like the week of uh, trucks that regen too much. So we've had like three or four trucks in here that regen too much. We've been trying to get those fixed. Uh, those are usually pretty difficult, where they can be. Uh, they're usually simple, but sometimes they're difficult for no reason. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, that's what we've been cooking on. All right, Pete, what's on your mind this week? Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. Good. What do you got? So last week, I was at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop. They have their Truckers Jamboree that they have every year. We've been doing it for. I look back, it was 2000 was the first year we did that show with them. Wow. So I did the show back in 2000. We've been doing it quite a while. They do a great job. I mean, it's, the people work really hard there to make it a great show for the, and it's a customer appreciation type of show more than anything. So they right. do a great job for the, the truck drivers that are there, that the lot's clean, that they have a lot of help. And just overall, it's a really good show. They had a lot of trucks in the show and shine this year. I was surprised with the price of fuel that people were, you know, bringing their trucks and trailers, and there was a, a lot there. Yeah, a, a nice job. Yeah, to show they always do great people to work with. And yeah. I've been, you know, I don't go to many truck stops, but you know, going to shows, I've been to some that have been pretty bad. Yeah, uh, I was yeah. one in Arkansas. I pull in, and I'm on E. I'm the old diesel. I'm like, I'm getting twenty bucks to get the hell out of here threw 20 bucks in here and took off because it just looked bad. <laughs> I mean, I feel safe. Yeah, there's some crack in the door. Oh, um, yeah. Where are yeah, you I'm getting hell out of here. You know, but that, that's a, you know, it's such a nice place. It's a lot safe. It's well lit. They, they just do things right there. Yeah, that's always been a great show. You know, it's unique. It doesn't feel like the big truck shows. It's just a lot more casual and laid back. It, it feels more like a, you know, summer barbecue kind of thing. And on the way out, you know, I was watching how fast people were going, and there was nobody, no truck going under 65 miles an hour. Even when the speed limit was 60. I know. No one. So there's a couple trucks doing 65, and they were probably governed there. Right. Uh, But no one's really slowing down. Um, And one thing, so you know how when you get two company drivers, they try to pass each other, and they're not passing each other. Yeah. And it's terribly frustrating. So traffic was light Wednesday morning. So I got behind a guy that was doing 65 or whatever. And I followed him for a little bit in the slow lane. And then I'm going to pass him. I'm going to see what it takes. So 
on the new Dodge we have, the, the Ram, I can um, set the um, cruise, and there's a up and down arrow, so I can do 66, 67. So I'm like 65 behind. I bump it up to 66. I get around him. Took a while. The next time, got behind another guy, same thing. I followed him for a while. Bumped up two miles an hour. Got around him pretty good. If you're three miles an hour faster than somebody, you go past them pretty quick. Yeah, you do. So these two yeah. drivers that are running side by side are literally going the same speed. Yeah, there might be a half so mile an hour difference. Miles, <laughs> yeah. I was shocked. I figured, yeah, I have time here. Um, you know, traffic's not bad. I'm going to see because there's nothing more frustrating than stuck behind two company drivers doing 66 miles an hour. I had a couple of max. <laughs> I think the one, yeah, they were all up. <laughs> they were down speeding. They, they were those damn yeah, plastic trucks, right? Miles. Go ahead and say it. There, it was those damn plastic trucks. But if you're three mile an hour different, you can get around a truck fairly quick. I, I was shocked. It, it doesn't take much to get around. So if they're doing 65, you do 68, you go through them, you go past them quickly. You're not tying up traffic for miles and miles and miles. Right. You know, this idea that they've been pushing for the whole 40 years I've been in the industry, luckily it hasn't passed yet. Hopefully it never does. Uh, mandatory speed limiters on the trucks. Just imagine when, you know, 90% of the trucks on the road are all governed to the exact same speed. How does anybody pass anybody? Yeah, that would be horrible. That'd be a problem. Yeah, How it is a problem. Exit? Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Anything? Nope. That's all I have, Kevin. So, uh, Pete, I just always like to check in because you seem to know what's going on with everything around there. What's uh, what's the supply chain looking like for you guys? Getting any better, any worse? It, it changes. It, it's about the same, but it's different parts. Okay. So for a while here, I won't be able to get one part. And then all of a sudden those start coming in. And then now it's uh, one box has been a problem. And that's kind of changes. It's an issue. It gets better. It's an issue. Um, so right now one box seems seem to be the, the big issue with parts. Well, and, that's and there's a big no way one. around that. Right. That's a big one. Yes. Huh. Yeah. So uh, just uh, no worse, no better. Kind of holding the same. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better anytime soon. We've got um, China going back into lockdowns again. They're talking about uh, another wave of COVID over there, and they're locking down. So I don't think this is going to get better anytime soon. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Lines are open. It is a maintenance free-for-all kind of day. If you've got a maintenance question, pick up the phone and join us, 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. Let's head off to Texas. Rusty, welcome to the program. Hey guys, how are y'all today? Good. What's on your um, mind today? I've got. I sent you a sample, an uh, oil sample. Oh yeah. And, oh, uh, what do we got going on here? Uh, Holy cow! Viscosity issues. We talked. We talked about it last sample, so I. Went ahead and changed the oil, ran it 20000 and back at it. So. Uh, so this is really just 1540 Rotella, huh? 
that's what the joke says. And you're not adding Lucas or anything else to it? Nope. You just are... A, just a gallon of oil over five or 6,000 miles. Yeah, you are really... That, that's 50 weight oil. That's the viscosity of the oil in your engine, and I can't figure out why. I couldn't figure out why last time. I certainly can't figure out this time. But you're, it's like running 50 weight. Your viscosity is 18 and a half. That's thick oil. Now, one of the things that is high, and I don't know why it wasn't high last time. It was, and then it wasn't. And now it's back again. You're getting a lot of soot. Something about this engine isn't right because the N14 is pretty clean. Uh, we shouldn't see soot numbers like this at all. Your soot level's at 2.3. At one time, it was up as high as 3.6. And soot will start to thicken that oil. So I'm going to assume that this issue is the soot causing the soil to thicken because I can't find anything else that would cause it. Uh, and there's really nothing else going on on the sample that we need to worry about. Everything else looks good, but um, we just have to figure out why this thing's just not burning fuel very well. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. You're, when, you're pulling along, when you're pulling a long grade and let's say you're 22 or 25 pounds of boost, do you have a spot mirror on your stack so you can see the stack? Uh, well, yeah, I can, I can, yeah, I don't have a spot mirror, but I can see the stack pretty well. Years ago with mechanical engines, just about everybody had a little spot mirror. That's really handy. I mean, you can buy those things. They're not very expensive. And you just clamp them onto your existing mirror and put it up so you can see the stack. And don't be shocked at what you see at nighttime because you're seeing a lot of heat vapors. But during the day, when you're pulling a long, steady grade at a steady boost and you're holding a throttle steady, there should be just heat coming out, no smoke whatsoever. Is your stack burning clean? If you turn your head and kind of look up at it. Yes. I mean, the only, the only smoke I ever see is just in a shift. And it's just in a shift. There's a, yeah. When was the last time you set the overhead? Oh, just a couple of months ago. Had okay. an injector out. We, we reset it then. Okay. Checked for any boost leaks? Uh, no. Boost leak would be first I, check. Yeah, I have not checked for boost leaks. Yeah, I'd start uh, there. What does, what, what does the truck make for total boost? Foot on the floor, 1,800 RPM going up a hill. 37. Oh, that's a, that's a pretty strong N14, then, because 32 is five and a quarter. So yeah. if you're at 37. But uh, it, it has y'all's, you know, y'all, JR programmed it. And, uh, it yeah. Uh, you, I, don't, I don't run it hard. So, What's that? You're around 600 horsepower. Yeah, it sure doesn't feel like it. I mean, it, it 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 has the boost. I can see the boost, but it doesn't. I mean, it certainly doesn't. Could, could we have a lot of the turbine housings choking the engine? If you can't get us the numbers, the A over R ratio on the turbo or uh, 
email Peter I pictures of the turbo. Several pictures. Okay. All right. What type is of it? truck is this? It's a T six hundred two thousand model. What do you have for an air cleaner? Stock or feed air? Uh, just the stock air cleaner with uh, y'all's exhaust manifold. Okay. So, you know, air restriction can also help or, or cause efficiency issues, which could cause soot. So you might want to consider a fleet air filter in there. Hey, hey Pete, I wonder if it's timing somebody retarded it too much. Do you know the history of the engine? Uh, I've been running this engine. I bought it used. Uh, had 250,000 miles on it, and I put 360,000. Um, I've got a, be, you might want to make an appointment, get in here and let's pull an injector and a rocker box off and put the timing tool in and see where it's time. Cause if you're making boost and you're not feeling power, it's either two things. You have too much restriction in the turbine housing of the turbocharger or the timing is too far retarded. Could we have, um, a lot of exhaust restriction somewhere? That's it with the small turbine housing. I had, yeah, I'll send you a picture of the turbo. I, I had a, I had a weed burner on it. And I put a one, a single stack of it, but that, I mean, it hasn't really changed the soot. That soot's been a problem for a while. Um, a lot of samples. What kind of mufflers on it? Uh, y'all's muffler. So it's not straight through, so it's not the muffler. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I know. It's interesting. We've got to solve that, that, that soot issue, though, cause I, and I think that's what's causing the viscosity to go so high. Yeah. Do I need to drain the oil? Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with this oil that is going to be fixed by another oil change. I mean, we drained it last time. We keep thinking, well, maybe that's going to help, and it's not. This oil's staying thick for some reason, so... Until you find something to try and fix, I just leave this oil in there. I mean, once you figure out, you know, okay, we found a problem, maybe this was it, solve that problem, then change the oil and let's see if it clear, clears up. But if not, I would just leave this in because it's not hurting at anything. Okay. I'll call him Pittsburgh Power. I appreciate y'all. I got to jump out here. All right. You're Thank welcome. You. Thanks for the call. All right. Let's, uh, now I was trying to get those pictures posted. I got to get back. All right. Let's go to Minnesota. Adam, welcome to the program. Good morning, gentlemen. What's on your mind today? Uh, I, I've been uh, thinking about some of the things that you guys have talked about as far as uh, changing out gear ratios and transmissions. And uh, I, I have a Super 10 and... I like it, but I just wanted to find out or get your opinion about if you put a 13 speed in there, because you have more gears, would it actually reduce the uh, RPMs as you're driving down the road with the extra gears? Um, possibly when you're going through the gears, but we spend in an over the road operation, we spend over 90% of our time in top gear. So, and top gear doesn't change. Well, I mean, it can on different transmissions, but many 10 speeds, 13 speeds, and 18 speeds have the exact same final gear ratio. 
And as long as that final gear ratio is the same, that's where you're spending 90% of your time. So yeah, having a couple extra gears in there to split now and then can save fuel a little bit, but it's not a, not much. Usually those gears just make ask, it a little more drivable too. Kevin, on this Super 10, what year is this transmission? Uh, the engine is the 2003, so I'm assuming the transmission is the same. It's a glider in a 2012. Oh, the 2000, so it's a Super 10. Does anybody know the final gear ratio of a Super 10 in 10th gear? Is it 0.73 or is it 0.85? You know, I for some reason, it, I think it, it was weird, like 0.78 or something for some reason. But it's not that far off. I mean, we're, we're going to yeah. be right there in, in mostly the same gears anyway. Is the tag on the transmission? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't tried to look for it, so I, I wouldn't know. I'd have, to, I'd have to get in there and look. You know, I don't know much about the Super 10s, but why don't you call a transmission place and ask them, or is the final drive on his 10th gear the same on all Super 10s? And they say yes, ask them what the ratio is and buzz us back. I'd like to know that. I do have one more question, if you guys have time. Go ahead. Uh, so... I, uh, I've been running a little bit hot. I mean, I know it's been hot as hell out lately, but I like, if I'm on a medium grade and, uh, I had 35,000 pounds on, I was having to push my, uh, electric fan button or the button to get the fan going. And, um, I just, I don't know that that's normal. It seems like it was getting hot pretty easily. And so I, uh, was calling and inquiring about, uh, a radiator and everything that, that I found out so far for this truck, it seems like they don't have a, more than just a two pour. And then they were making the suggestion that I pull the radiator out and I have them clean it out or just buy a new radiator. And a friend of mine said that he had put, he had this exact same engine at the C15. He said that he put a, a an extra core or two uh, in the radiator and he said he didn't have any more issues with it overheating. What kind of truck is it? It's a Columbia 2012 with a 2003 Cat C15 engine. 2012 Columbia. Pete, do you know if our rads for the Columbia, if we can build a high flow? I, I don't, but I would think we could at least do the three row instead of two. And then, of course, steel tanks versus the plastic tanks. But we'd need an OEM part number and we can cross it over for you and find out. Why don't you call Pete right after the radio show and get give him the part number of your radiator and let's check it out. And if nothing bigger is available, put the auxiliary coolant tank on. That'll solve your problem. And then they can put the auxiliary tank right onto the stock uh, radiator? Yes. Have you heard us talk about... Um, I heard I heard a little bit. I don't really... I, it's kind of vague to me about about it. Okay, so it's a what it is is an air tank that we put on the frame and then run some heater hoses to it, uh, just like you would a heater core, and that's going to in, increase capacity uh, four or five gallons depending on the size of the tank. 
So that's going to that, help. And that, that would make a difference as far as keeping it cooler? Yes. Yes. It would definitely help it keep it cooler. Because, again, we're increasing capacity of the cooling system. Well, I've only had this truck about four months, and um, it, uh, it's it got 900,000 miles on it. And I don't know if it, it may be running the same like the original uh, um, radiator. I'm not positive, but, you know. So it could, probably, the radiator could be, it's probably what? Probably finished. Call probably us. Finished, so. Yeah, call us if you can get the part number that rad and see if we have a high capacity radiator for it. And how hot are you running? You say you're running hot, but what are you calling hot? Um, well, when it gets over 200, I usually turn the fan on. Like, I don't it's like it to get easier, past 200. It's easier. To, do you have 180 thermostats? Um, well, uh, it goes, it says 150 and then there's a line at the top and then it says 200 that'd be like to the, to the right of that. And it usually mm-hmm. runs around 190 or I'm guessing. Sounds like you have 180 stats. It takes 16 degrees to fully open. So that's 196. It's much easier to defeat heat before you get heat. So if you're having this issue now, a quarter mile before you start to climb, you should just turn the fan on. I always do that, but what I'm saying is, I even on a like a, a subtle grade, it's like recently. I mean, it's been hot out, so I don't know if that should affect it. But it, it, I've been having to. I mean, it, when I had that load on it, I had to kept pushing the fan button to keep it cool. You know, my good friend Mike Robinson, who is quite the cat expert down in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, sent me a thing about. Uh, thermostats and caterpillar and every what was it 250,000 miles they want you to change the thermostat he'll probably text it to me now because he listens to the show so you might want to do new thermostat and the new radiator cap because if the red cap isn't holding the 7 or 14 pound of pressure whatever it's set for you will run hot and the it's hard to get heat out of your heater, but right now you're not using that. But I would put a new thermostat in it, and let's put a new rad in it and go from there. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Usually on in the Columbia uh, in Century, we don't seem to have cooling temperatures. don't see a lot with cats either. Right. But I mean on the on that particular model Freightliner with all those gliders that were out there. Look at Charlie Beiser. He's running very high horsepower out of a 14 liter in a Columbia or a Century, and he's not having any. Yeah. Like I said, the radiators probably just... The radiators don't live as long as they used to as far as one capacity. Right. right. You know what happened, though, with the, with the gliders? So as we were we were building gliders because they started building emission trucks. And one of the things they had to do with the emission trucks was increase the cooling capacity. So hood openings got bigger, grills got bigger, radiators got bigger. And then we take those trucks and we put a pre-emission engine in them and you, you never see those things overheat. They have such great airflow on those that you're right. We don't see heating issues with those. Maybe we can get Charlie Beiser's. Maybe Charlie, he listens 
assume that he'll call us with his radiator part number and we'll compare it with this gentleman. There you go. Let's uh, okay. let's head back to the phones. We're going to go to Washington this time. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hey, so I screwed up and got busy. Service one of the trucks, pulled the oil sample, and that was about 12,000, 13,000 miles ago, and found the oil sample yesterday on the workbench. Is it too late to send it in? You got busy? No. Say it isn't so. <laughs> well, hey, I have a break this summer. I only have I only have one PE class this summer. So Holy cow. I finally get to yeah. get a, a little bit of a break to get some things done. Well, there you go. Now, that, that will be fine. That's not even that long. I've seen them sit a lot longer than that. If they sit a long time, I tell people, if it comes back with high oxidation, just ignore that. It was oxidizing while it was sitting there. Okay. But other than that, it'll be fine. Okay. Okay, great. That's all I needed. All right. Thanks. thanks for the call. Get back to work. Slacker. Let's, uh, <laughs> what's that? It's real slack. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to Tennessee. Phil, welcome hey, to the program. Good morning. Uh, okay. So I'm re I'm rebuilding my cab over. We dropped the crate M11 in it. I put a brand new transmission in it, a 13 double over, and I put new rear ends in it, 264s. Two-part question. Um, these new components, when do you recommend I change the fluids out because they're brand new, or do I not need to worry about it? The, like the tranny and the different. Hmm, it's a good question. Never had that one. Well, wait a minute. Uh, How, no. I probably 2,000. Yeah, if we're talking about differentials and transmissions and you're using synthetic, it's 500,000 miles. Okay, yeah, but so don't, worry about, don't worry about it being brand new. Like the engine, you know, well, change the oil pretty, pretty quick to wash out any chips or any crap in there, you know? Well, the, yeah, we, we don't do that with driveline components because they're, they're clean. I mean, we, they're, they're sealed units. It's also why you don't, we change the oil on a truck. Now I know we're going 50 and 60,000 miles. We change oil on these components at 500,000. And the reason is they're sealed. Right. There's just, there's not, you don't get a lot okay. of contaminants in there. You don't get a ton of wear metals in the very beginning. So there's really nothing to worry about cleaning out. Okay. Uh, number two question. A while back you had a show, Kevin, you guys were talking about the ratios in the transmissions. The uh, 0.86, 0.73. Um, well, this transmission has both. Do I want to run well, it in 0.86 or well, do I want to run it in direct? Still? Well, let me, let me clarify direct. that. When we're talking about is it 0.73, 0.86, we may not say it, but we're always referring to the final gear. It, and that helps us then choose what rear end. But yeah, any truck with a 0.73 is probably going to have a 0.86. That's what we would call a double overdrive because both of those gears are overdrive. Then you'll have a, a one, which is direct. And then you go into your underdrive gears, which would be a one point something. 
So every gear in a transmission has one of those ratios. So when we're referring to them, we're usually just asking about the final. So in this case, when you say it's got a point, what did you say? Eight, six. What is your final ratio? The final is 0.73. Yeah, so this is a pretty standard 13 speed. 0.73, then 0.86, then direct. So your direct is is, uh, 11th. Correct. What What I'm trying to ask is, is it preferable to run in 11th in direct drive or the 86? Well, it depends on how fast you're going to run. You're going to run in 11th gear until you hit about 68 miles an hour. Then you're going to go into single over between 68 and 70, and that's going to carry you. You'll probably never, ever see double over unless you're going downhill. No, I don't. don't, Okay. So I'll just run it direct. Well, there, well, there, there may be times, he's trying to tell you, there may be times you're going to want to run in that first overdrive. Well, at 1350 in direct drive, I'll be running 60 miles an hour. That's, that's about where I run all the time. So. Okay. It, just keep in mind that sometimes when you're empty or light, even yeah. at that speed, you might want to try that first single overdrive and see how it runs. Yeah, mate. Okay, that's all I had. I was just kind of curious. Uh, I didn't know if the .86 would be better than the direct. Or... It, it, it depends all on right, speed. Show, yeah, guys. depends on speed and conditions. So just uh, ideally, we like to spec trucks where you could use both, where you have a direct drive, very efficient gear at your cruise speed, and you have a an overdrive gear when you want or need to go faster, you have another gear that's uh, efficient. Let's go to Florida this time. Richard, welcome to the program. Hello, guys. Uh, uh, that last caller got me a, uh, called me to have another question, but I did have a suggestion for owner-operators who are just starting out and uh, older owner operators ought to already be doing this, but um, when I, I got two trucks and I've owned four so far in my owner operator years and every truck that I've owned I've always took a picture of a tag that's been on my transmission my engine, my rear end I've always looked to see what they were called the manufacturer, what came in them and I always had that on my phone or either on a, on a piece of paper and notepad in my in my truck somewhere in case I ever have to call in for a part or whatever and the parts people are asking me what I've what I've got and I'm always sure what I've got because I got a piece I got it wrote down somewhere. I know that Bruce harps about that big time about having the year make model and all that whenever you call in on the show. So that's just a little bit of advice for at least new owner operators who might be just starting out or or being an owner-operator for a year and hadn't done it yet, but that's a good idea to be doing. But the last uh, caller, uh, y'all mentioned about final drive. I have a uh, F... Uh, let me get it, pull it back up here again. I have a... Um, a FRO 16-210C, 10-speed. Uh, what would be a final drive on that, or do you know? 
Uh, should be 0. 0.73 or 0. 0.74. 7, 3, or 4? Yep. Uh, and if I run that in, that would be uh, eighth gear, final uh, direct drive? Uh, ninth. I, we, oh, not here? We kind of refer to it as a double overdrive because it's a 0. 0.73 or 0.74, but technically you only have one overdrive gear. Okay. So if, if later on in the years I had to change out my rear ends, and if I do, I don't have to now, but if I do, I would like to put it to where I'm going to be having uh, running in direct drive. Uh, I'm in the Midwest, running uh, mostly Midwest. Um, what would what would be the best gear ratio for that? I wasn't, what engine? Yeah, I was just going to uh, ask what you... Well, not, it's, it's a 99 uh, 12.7 Detroit and a 2000 D600 Kenworth, 500 horsepower. What speed do you want to run? I normally like to run between 55 and 60, uh, 65 if I'm empty, if I'm kind of in a hurry. 264 is your gear. Yep. Low Pro 22 five tire. Yep. Low Pro 22 wide base singles. Yep. Mm-hmm. 264s. That's your gear. All right. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's, Thank you. Uh, let's see. Go ahead, Bruce. Did you have good something? To, yeah. Good advice about taking pictures of the data tags the engine serial number, know what your transmission, know your differentials, and have that all written down. Whether you put it in your phone or your iPad or uh, on a, you can write that on a business card and stick it in your wallet, but it's great to know that. Good point. Good point. Let's, uh, let's go to Virginia. Mr. Beiser, welcome. You must have heard your name. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yes, I did. Uh, mine will get up on a hard pull to 210 degrees. That's it. That's a 14 liter, 60 series, EGR, and a Columbia. And when I'm at that temperature, I'm pulling 40 pounds of boost, but I'm only running 700 on the exhaust. Why would the exhaust be so cold? When the engine temperature is up and the boost is up, well, first I we cannot have to get over eight hundred degrees out of this exhaust, no matter what I do. Yeah, Charlie, we need to go bigger on the turbine housing. You've got too much boost, so we need to go one size on the turbine housing. And I think I know exactly what housing's on your turbo, so we can make that change next time you're coming in. Just let me know. Also, okay, because um, I thought there was only one turbo available for my motor. Well, there was, but we've been we we continually work on things and okay, able now to put a caterpillar turbine housing on that Detroit turbo. Oh, okay, okay, because it's your part number of your radiator for that earlier caller. I don't know the part number. I'm, all I know is it's a stock radiator that came from Freightliner. I'd have to look yeah. back a couple years ago on my white Petro for the serial number. Just call Freightliner and give them the last six years been and ask them the part number of the radiator. You could do that while you're driving and then give Pete a call. 
high because, I mean, it's only when I'm on a hard pull that she might go that high. And it yeah. don't stay there. It comes right back down once the fan kicks on. So you're a 14 liter. The other guy was a 12.7, and you're making a whole lot more horsepower than he is. So he's just stopped. But I'm only putting, by the dyno, I'm only putting 432 to the ground. This, for some reason, this truck will not put out what JR wanted it to put out, even with the 13 double over and the 264s. Oh, she'll do 100 mile an hour in 11th gear. I won't even pull it into 12th gear because I don't need to. At about fifteen hundred RPMs, wait, I'm wait, running sixty-eight. Wait, eleventh is direct. You say you're saying you can run a hundred yeah. miles an hour in direct? Yeah, sixty with two sixty-four rears. That still doesn't sound right. If I drop it into twelfth gear and wander up to fourteen, over between fourteen and fourteen fifty, where she likes to run. She'll be running out at 95 mile an hour and still have more pedal. Wait, wait a minute. I, somebody have a calculator up. What am I missing here? That, does, that math doesn't sound right. It doesn't even and, sound and close. Bruce, and Bruce took, Bruce took the transmission away from me that I really liked. And that was that triple over. I'm the one that had that triple over. I, I'm not even. I'm not even thinking about the transmission. That that number almost seems like you'd have to have one sixty four gears to get to those numbers. No, they're two sixty fours. With the three seventies and uh, ten speed overdrive, she'd run one hundred and ten mile an hour and tenth gear with the three seventies and the ten speed overdrive that I had in it. Yeah, they had an attack. <laughs> oh, that's why I trade off the ECM to Kevin's scan gauge. That's where I get my RPMs from. Because my tack is off. My tack is about 50 RPMs off. For every five mile per hour that I go up or down, it's uh, 20 RPMs up or down. For every no, for every five miles an hour, that's a hundred RPMs. So if I go up five miles per hour, I'm only raising a hundred RPMs. If I go down, so twenty RPMs per mile per hour. I think I did the calculation right. Yeah, I don't and if you I... got time, Kevin, I'd like you to open up Dulcie May because I'm getting some fuel numbers that I love and I'm hoping that Miss Jane is working on the next batch of the mileage improver. She is. Good. Just got 40 more gallon in. Are you using the mileage improver, Charlie? I sure am. Didn't we go over and I'm uh, did we go over your numbers last week? Uh two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, okay. Thought I remember doing that. I'm yeah, go. yeah, I didn't. I'm, I'm waiting for my oil sample to come in that I pulled since I started running that. And next Tuesday, I'm hoping to have it to send it in for you to look at it and see if that has changed anything with the oil sample. 
I, I'm looking. I wasn't paying attention to that because I'm looking at your fuel numbers right now. Um, so last week, I, I remember pointing out um, a high fuel number. Which one was that? Um, that was the seven. The the seven. That was when I started running like three sevens in a row. Yeah, which wasn't all that common before. And I said you hit a 7.4, which had been one of your highest, except now you just had an 8.02. Yeah. Yeah, that's... uh. So the only thing that's changed is this new additive. You haven't changed anything else. Nope. I still drive the same. I still carry the same loads. Out of New York to Florida and from Florida back to New York. The only thing that I did change on them ones that's down below seven is my fuel stop or a partial fuel up. Yeah, I can Every see Every time the I do a partial fuel up, my numbers goes down. I can see the partial. And I don't understand why. Well, yeah, there should be no correlation there unless it's just a coincidence. You don't have many partials, though, so I can't really see a pattern. Yeah, I don't. I don't like partials. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it might just be a coincidence. Hey, Bruce. Um, it might be. How many people do you have testing this right now? What do you think, Pete? 12, 14, probably more than that. I, I bet every you know, bit I, of 25. I don't need an exact number, but would it be possible to get a list of the people that are testing it that are on fuel gauges? Sure. I'd love to follow it because I, I, the pattern with Charlie is pretty clear. Um, it's not even questionable. I mean, his from the day he started using it, his fuel economy has gone up consistently. Uh, it's just one truck. So, you know, there's all kinds of other things that can happen. That's why we like to get as many trucks testing as we can. But the one truck that I'm looking at, there's a clear pattern that fuel mileage increased once he started using this. I call and it I still run the uh, Max Modeler, too. The Catalyst, I still run that. Right. And they're made to work together, so... Yeah, because I'm a firm believer of that catalyst. When you can stick your finger in an EGR valve that's got 400,000 miles on it and pull it out with no soot, that makes you a believer real quick. So, Charlie, I keep keep looking back here, and I'm going – I've gone a ways back. You've been tracking this truck for a long time. Um I've never, I can't find an eight mile per gallon anywhere. Have you ever recorded eight miles to the gallon? You'd have to go back to 2014, 2015. That was one time. I I don't think I recorded anything over 7.3 when I was with Mercer, but I was running a 7.3 90 day average. With the 10 speed overdrive, the 370s running at 63 miles per hour in 10th gear out yeah. west. But you the know, loads was usually only 25, 30,000 pound loads. They wasn't heavy. Yeah. John Deere tractors. No, it, it's, it's, 
you know, it, I, I go back, I can find when you were in the fives, when six and a half was about average, and uh, I couldn't find an eight anywhere. Um, Bruce, isn't this awesome? He's got 899 fuel-ups tracked on this truck. Wow. Kevin, I'm 944,000 and some odd miles, almost a million miles. That's right. What's that, Pete? As important it is, I'm surprised everyone's not running the, the your fuel mileage um, app. You know, with, with, as important as fuel mileage is and it, how it affects how much money you make, I, I can't believe everyone's not running that. I, it's so simple. I can't either. Maybe we need to lower the price. How much do you pay to use this, Charlie? Not a penny. Oh, that's right. It's I haven't free. paid a penny for that. That's right. It's free. It's always been free. <laughs> and it tracks right into my profit gauges. I don't have to add no fuel other than the reefer. Uh, yeah. And I'm pulling the reefer trailer with that. Exactly. Hey, just to give you an idea, Pete, um, we do have 95,000 trucks in that system, and we have 4.7 million fuel tickets. Wow. Isn't that crazy? A lot. Yeah. Now, I got a question for you, Kevin. Yeah. I got to put tires on this truck. I've been running the Yokohama 517s. I'm thinking about going to the Bridgestone M713, which is not as an aggressive tread. Do you think that will help on the rolling resistance? I can't seem to figure out how to find the rolling resistance. Well, that's what we have to go find. I can't guess. I can't look at a tread design and say there's so many factors. The rubber compound, the sidewall design, the tread design itself, the... There's just a lot of factors that go into rolling resistance, and you can't look at a tire and know anything. So um, we'd have to go find that number. It, it, you've been on the Michelin site, and you can't figure it out? I, it, won't, it will not allow me to open anything up to put any type of tire in to compare it to. Oh, that's some sort of a browser issue or something. Give me the two tires. It probably is. Give me the two tires and... Uh, while these guys are answering a question, I'll go in and see if I can figure it out for you. Yokohama 517 versus a Bridgestone M713. Okay. Let me go. Which is see. almost in all position. Yeah. Let me go. Uh, let me go check that out when, uh, when I've got a chance. All right. If you just want to have the tribes shoot me a text i'd appreciate that that way i'm not tying up a phone line that someone else could call in with an important question okay uh are you going to be listening the next 10 minutes yeah okay you'll probably hear it as soon as i get a call for these guys i'll uh i'll go in and see if i can figure it out charlie uh, thank you you're welcome charlie don't forget to get that radiator number yeah, that's right. All right, let's go to Arizona. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. So I've owned this Kenmore since 2009, and I had religiously used Rotella oil until November when I had to have an in-frame rebuild done. And based on about three guys' input, we switched to mobile. Uh, one guy, he owns a few, uh, about 10 trucks. He's owned a lot of trucks. He said 
the mobile has a better additive package. The guy that rebuilt the motor, that's what he could get, and he recommended it. And then you have always said oil is oil is oil. And on top of that, I, it was getting hard to find Rotella. So I was like, yeah, let's switch to mobile. I, that, that seems like that's around. Well, now all I see on the shelves is Rotella, and I can't find the mobile. <laughs> so, what engine is this? C16, 600 horse. Okay. Um, Do you want me to what Horace Lucas told me about mobile? Yeah. Horace Lucas said, of all the mass-produced oils, mobile Delvac is the best. Okay. You know, um, you know what the, uh, head engineer, the head engineer at Cummins, he's passed away, but uh, he designed the Premium Blue 2000. You know what he told me was the worst oil? Rotella. They spend all their money yeah. on advertising. See, of, Bruce, I, uh, I, I, I will completely so disagree nice with calendar. that. I, I will completely disagree well, with that. There's a lot of information that came from uh, engineers. So Yeah, so, and here's the thing. Let, let, let's think about it. Um, Bruce, you've been at this for how many years? 45. Pete, how long have you been doing this? Almost 35. Sorry, Leroy, I'm not going to ask. I've been at it close to 40. Between the three of us, and and we've been very, very focused on engines and all kinds of things all these years, 100 plus years of experience. Can you clearly say that you've seen a pattern that one oil is better than another? No, no. No, there's no pattern. We can put any oil in a truck and get them to go a million plus miles. And there's so many variables. How could you ever prove that? Well, if we would have put this oil in, we would have got a hundred thousand more miles. We're we're never going to prove that. I, honestly, I think Rotella is one of the better oils because of its additive package. They put a lot of zinc in there, which is really protective. The base oils are all the same. It's the additive package that makes a difference in the oil. And I, I just can't find anything wrong with Rotella. It's a fantastic oil. It's easy to get. It's usually well-priced. So I've been there. I I spent the money on premium oils thinking, you know, it was going to do good. And I promoted them a lot of years. And I've been through a lot of the premium oils, Royal Purple, Schaefer's. Really, I just could not tell any difference. And looking at oil samples and watching all these trucks and talking about it all this time, I, I just can't find enough. Here's the other thing. I've been approached by oil companies that wanted to be a part of what we do. And, and I've said, look, you have to understand, I'm not going to stand up, up here and tell people that your oil is better than anybody else's because you can't prove to me that it's better. You can give me all your marketing stuff, but it doesn't prove anything. So, you know, for the most part, I tell people, if you can get Rotella, use it. Um, it when we're in an oil shortage, get whatever. I mean, really, put anything that meets the API classification, put it in there. It's not going to make much difference. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a engine failure because the oil failed. It, there's another good now, point. You're seeing, right. Yeah. Because there's fuel in the oil, there's coal in the oil, you know, which is not the oil's fault. But I can't ever say that, you know, boy, this engine is wore out because of you used X brand of oil. Correct. And right. I know, you know years ago, um, when I'd buy oil, I'd buy it by the case. 
bought it at Kmart, so that's how long ago it was. And I would use whatever was on sale. So right. when I needed a case of oil, whatever and I never had a problem. And when, you know, at one point I have a quart of this, I have two quarts of that. It was all the same weight, um, same class. It was just different brands. That oil change was three or four different oils. Right. Never had a problem with it. Right. It didn't use any more oil. The oil light didn't come on. Um, you know, I would get rid of the car with, you know, back then, back in the 80s, you know, 160,000 miles with a lot of miles on a gasoline GMC because the car was old. I just right. didn't feel like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I get rid of it because it's junk. It's like, okay, I don't want to put any money into something that's old. I'm getting something newer. I can't say that, that has any ever had an oil related issue because of that. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think just the motor was. I, I, I just don't get too excited about what oil you use. When this motor was rebuilt, everything looked great. Cylinder liners looked great. So it wasn't the oil that caused it to fail. Exactly. Yeah, it, it never is. Yeah. So, uh, next question is um, uh, on, on a five core radiator. I, I had a five core put in after it was rebuilt. And uh, I was asking around Facebook and, you know, what you get on Facebook and things, places like that. But uh, one comment one guy said was that a five-core radiator is designed for equipment like generators or whatever that's set and stationary and not getting a lot of airflow from moving down the road. Is there any thoughts on that? Because that it does cool. seem to, to heat up quick, and it is the middle of summer and everything. So right. You can't get the airflow across a five-row versus a four-row. That's why we always do the four-row. So we'll do four rows, um, a combination of either more tubes or bigger tubes, depending on the radiator, um, and, and also the fins. A lot of stock radiators are 12 fins per square inch, and we'll do 14 to 16. And the yeah. fins are what produce the heat from the tubes to the atmosphere. So, yeah, we're not a fan of the five-row radiator. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I, I think I'm going to keep it for now, and I'm going to try adding a, an expansion tank. Um, what'd you call it? You, you said something on it earlier. You said you use an air yeah. tank and you run cool lines to it. Yes. Yeah. Is that something in your store, or you just kind of fab that up as needed? Fab that up. I don't have any kits. Just go to a local shop that sells an air tank and mount to the frame, and, and the you know run heater lines to it just like you would a heater core. You know, it's basically that's how oh, yeah. it is. I was thinking of using the lines that go to one of my heater cores and just have, putting a valve to divert it to the tank instead of the heater core and you use the heater core in the winter and the tank in the summer. Right. Cause you want to be able I think to that would work. Shut tank off in a winter. You won't need it in the winter time. Yeah. Okay. Dope. All right. Thanks. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's. Oh, real quick. Um, Charlie, I had the same issue you had at the Michelin website. So I'm going to have to play around with it when I've got more time. Um, I load the page and none of the fields will respond. You just can't enter anything in any of the fields. So I think that's. Um, what you said you had going on as well. So I'll, uh, I'll keep playing with that. But right now, uh, I got nothing on that. Let's go to 
Arizona. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, Pete and uh, Bruce, this is Chris, your uh, remote center out of Phoenix, Arizona. How you doing, Chris? I got a question for you. This new product that you're testing, this uh, fuel mileage improver, are you using that in, in concession with the max mileage, or is it is it blended together to use as one? So you can use it with or without the catalyst, the max mileage catalyst. So it, it, it is not the catalyst incorporated with it. It's two separate items. So it's so two separate items that you need to run if you, when you fuel? Correct. Correct. Okay. And what what is the dosage of that? Or do we know yet? Yes, it, it's the same. It's, it's one ounce for 25 gallons. Okay. All right, that's it. Thanks. All right, thanks for the call. Let's go to Arkansas. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Um, Got a question. My oil samples uh, come back with low base numbers. The last one was a 2.49. And I've got a PACAR motor. Is there any way I could, is there like a, a bottle of additive I could just pour in the, the motor that will bring that up or do I need to drain oil out and put new oil in? There are uh, two products that I know of that make adding base pretty easy. Luber Finer makes a filter with base built into the filter. So you just spin off a filter, spin theirs on, and you've got base. And we found that if you've got two oil filters, don't get two of them with base, you end up with too much. One is plenty. So you spin one filter off, spin a new one on okay. with base. Or um, Hot Shot Secret makes a base additive that you just put right into the crankcase. And on the back of the bottle, it tells you okay. if your you know, current base is this, you add this much, and it will bring it up to this. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I need to know. I appreciate the help. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Len, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I sent you an oil sample. All right. Let me go take a look at it here. There it is. See what we've got going on. What year is this? 2015 2660 IX. Okay, so 2015 ISX. Uh, There's nothing to talk about here. Um, The only well, technically, this should actually be a zero on the on the scale up there, zero to four. It's flagged as a one. It should be a zero because both of the things they're flagging are are additives, and. There's nothing wrong with these additives. It's just they're seeing a number they weren't expecting. It might be a little too high, a little too low. But I've never, ever, I've looked at a 100,000 plus oil samples. I wish they would just take this whole category off the oil sample. We never use it. It never matters. And it just confuses people. And if we would have taken that off, yours would be a zero and you'd have no questions. (laughs) What's that? When I saw that, it kind of got me worried, but it was so, you know, when 700 it said, so. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, 
the magnesium 700. Oh, okay. Um, somebody did, had, did you put a different kind of oil in at some point, maybe add oil and not use the same oil? Well, I went in the Cummins to get some work done and, and I had them service it and they used, the only thing they use is Valvoline and I always use Shell. So that would be the only difference that, in the oil. That's why. That's why. Shell okay. doesn't put a lot of magnesium in their additive package, but this oil does. If you look at the Molly, the molybdenum, and that's a goofy word. Yep. Um, that's why we call it Molly. Um, some oils have almost no Molly in them. With the oil you were using, has had almost none. Some oils use Molly as a friction modifier. So then it has a lot. I, they just, I, I, like I said, I just wish they would take this section off. I spend more time trying to explain this to people when it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. And I got one question for Pittsburgh. How, what's your schedule like for uh, a peak and two? I, I, my warranty is done on this in August. What are you guys looking at? How far out? Tune, give us a few days so we can get you in pretty quickly. Two I'm days. In, okay. Oh, okay. All righty. All right, I'll give all you. I'll call you guys direct then, and uh, when it gets closer, not mid August. I think August nineteenth is when my mile or uh, oh, I'm up. So that's good. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for the call. Let's yep, uh, roll right through them here. We're going to be heading off to California. Jocks, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, a lot of questions here. So I got my bottle of the Supermax. And when I pulled it up, the only thing on that white bottle said 10 ounces for 25 gallons. Well, I ran 10, and I didn't even get all the way to California with that one bottle. That's why. So, wow, Lord, I hope I didn't mess nothing up. But, <laughs> um, and uh, so you got it. Well, I mean, I saw an improvement, and it has power. I'm telling you what. So, but uh, so you got to mix the two together. It's not mixed already in that bottle. So putting them together, the capital uh, on the mileage improver, we have we haven't made a decision whether we're going to mix that with the catalyst or have it as one. And first, number two ounces, twenty-five gallon. Right now, it's separate. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, that's ounces, okay. What engine are you running? I've got the uh, 2015 Kenworth T680 with the Cummins. And uh, got y'all's package in there, but I'm. T- I mean, <laughs> I I only had to pull down the ninth once on those little rolling hills in Mississippi and Texas. I mean, I'll, it I'll just ran like a whole different truck. And and of course, I'll there's white all the way back down the, uh, you know, down underneath where it was just that white dust, you know, clean and stuff. So, yeah. But I mean, she yeah. and, and I, no, I, like one, I didn't have enough. Go ahead. One OC, so I can see where you can see that it's 10. ten. Yeah, but it would be ten C. Right. Well, I, and like I said, I wish I would have taken a picture of the bottle, but I'm. But I looked at it several times because I know you said it probably would be two ounces. You know, something I'm thinking. 
again. But if, hey, if it pays for itself, I'm, I'm, I'll get another bottle ordered in, and uh, I'll, I'll, I won't have it until head back out until next week after I get home. But uh, I'll run it like that and then let you know. But uh, like the, and the thing was, the way I was figuring it, it wasn't. It was going to about break even, and like I said, it was only, you know, one tank that actually had full stuff in there from what I expect, but uh, if it does, it would be well worth paying for itself without a doubt, you know. There you so, go. And like I said, it's 10 ounces, it's going to be breaking even, so. Yeah, more power. right. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have more power, you know. So it's awesome. Just keep working at it, and I'll give her a shot and call you back and let you know how it goes. Excellent. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's – we're going to take this – did you have something, Bruce? Yeah, I just wanted – one thing I wanted to start out with. I had a call the other day, and a guy said, uh, I don't know how my truck is geared. It's a Max Force International. But at 70 mile an hour, I'm at 2,700 RPM. Whoa. I, I said, well, that's virtually impossible. These <laughs> won't let you go there. And uh, this guy went from using pickup trucks to do, what's that? What do you call that? Hot, shot, hot shots. And so he bought a truck. I said, well, what transmission and rear? She said, well, I don't know. I said, when you bought this truck, didn't you ask? He said, no. He said, I just bought another truck that I didn't ask on it either. I said, well, you need to know these questions. And so I'm kind of new to the industry. And I'm, I'm talking to him, and I'm thinking 2,700, and he swears that that's what it is. Turns out it's a 466 oh, with a okay. six-something year ratio, six looking from my notes on it 600 and some gear ratios it was a city delivery straight job that was converted into an over-the-road tractor oh my god first off i can't imagine what it would be like sitting on top of an engine doing 2700 rpms all day long uh it was so anyway that's some of the things, kind of some of the questions that we get. Wow. You really have to stop and think. How, how it, is this even possible? Well, I, I, I said, I'm like, it's screaming. He said, oh, it's screaming. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, well, here's how it's possible, Bruce. Let's think about it. When you go buy, he came out of pickup trucks, right? When you go buy a pickup truck to do stuff like this, nobody knows what the rear end ratio is on a pickup truck. Who looks at that stuff? Well, if you're going to haul heavy and big horse trailers and hot shots like the Cummins Dodge combo, will give you a 410 versus a, a um, I think yeah, I've but 342. Even then, for the most part, if you go buy it, the sale guy's just going to say, tell me what you're doing. Oh, then you want this set up. But nobody knows the numbers right. and the transmissions. Hell, who knows? what transmission that seems like they're constantly making new transmissions and change. So I, I could kind of understand if you weren't part of the trucking industry and you're just used to buying work vehicles, you, you don't probably even realize that those numbers exist or what they mean. That's exactly right. Yeah. Huh. And once he told me 
from a pickup truck to a neat little medium duty truck, then I realized that, okay, that, that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. 2,700. Oh, man. Oh, man. I have a guy about a month ago who said, well, nobody teaches me this stuff. And I said, well, man, all you got to do is Google it. You got to go look. Magazine. Right. Right. You, you got to go yeah. look. Nobody's going to show up at your door and start educating you. Right. Got to educate yourself. Yeah. Huh. Sheesh. All right. Uh, let's grab one more call and then we are going to wrap this up. I got to roll on into the pit here in a couple minutes. Bob in Kansas. Welcome. Yes. MX 13 back car. 24,000 miles with the catalyst, 6.3, 24,000 miles, give or take a little bit, with the fuel improver, 6.33. So technically, no improvement. Yeah, just held steady. Why why is she so low out of the pack car engine? Uh, I, I haul lots of heavy, oversized loads. Okay. There's times I'll be at 3.8 all day long. Ooh. Oh my. Oh. When I'm when I when I'm empty when I'm empty I'll be up around eight and nine. Boy, something's wrong. I, I something's wrong when you have a spread. Nothing's, not, nothing's wrong. Well, how, you don't realize how hard it's working. Well, tell me. I mean, and, and I, I have not seen an operation. I've worked with guys who pull cars where four and a half is average. I've seen heavy specialized where four and a half is average. But those trucks don't do eight or nine when they're empty. I, I've just it's never seen a spread that does. big. Yeah. It, it, it's what, uh, what, what territory are you operating in? I'll go from the east coast to the west coast, from the north to the south. Okay, and so on your heavy, heavy loads, how? What's your coast? I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'll be 110, I'll be 90, I'll be 88. I'll have uh, 13 wide, 14 five tall, nothing aerodynamic, and you've got a 30 mile hour wind. You're going to burn some fuel. Oh, oh, there's no you doubt. I'm, I, I'm not arguing about the low number. I can certainly see that, that with that, that kind of freight. That, but that, what I'm saying is we just don't normally see that high number empty then. I'm, I'm giving you the two extremes. Okay. The average high number is not that high. Okay. But there are times I will do eight for all day. Okay. Those are the two extremes. Got it. Got it. Okay. And, and, and that, that helps then. I, I could see it as the extremes. Yeah. That's 14 and a half and, foot wide. That, that's brutal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, all of and, that. And yeah. uh, I, have, I have nothing against the pack car. This is the second one I've had. They've treated me very good. Uh, the ultra shift transmission is awesome. The 12 speed is better than the 13 speed. Uh, I agree with that. The technology is awesome. Is awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. I, these new smart transmissions, we finally got it right after 20-some years. Um, but they they are yep. pretty impressive now. Okay, have a good day. All right, thanks for the call. We're going to wrap this up. Anybody have any final words they want to close with? 
I do not. All right. Leroy hasn't spoke much. Maybe he does. Maybe next week don't have a question for me. <laughs> Today was all mechanical stuff, oil and all kinds of weird stuff. All right, we will. Uh, we will. Wrap the. Oh, wait a minute. I have an answer here on uh, the Bridgestone for Charlie. Uh, Angie went in and played around with the site and figured out what we were doing wrong. You have to select a specific box first before any of the other boxes work. Um, the Bridgestone has an 83 rolling resistance compared to the other one. So, uh, Charlie, that would be a good tire for you. Now, go ahead and make that change. You'll actually see uh, some fuel mileage improvement. Don't make the change till we're done testing the uh, fuel mileage improver, though, because that'll screw up the whole test. So try not to make that tire change if you don't have to. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.